0: a dose of hope.com Today's guest is Lindsay Hartz. Lindsay was the owner, lead marketing consultant, and book launch strategist from 2011 to 2021 at the Hartz Agency, a boutique marketing firm for authors dedicated to creating strategic marketing campaigns that help their words transform readers' lives. In 2022, she closed the agency, started a new venture, Ignite Faith Media, because she wanted to work with authors more comprehensively for the long term of their careers And to provide deeper opportunities for authors and readers to connect with one another for growth and community. Lindsay Hartz and Robert have a wonderful conversation about how Lindsay became an entrepreneur to take better care of her family and just figured it out. She found so many authors hated marketing and she decided this was a problem she could solve. Lindsay figured out what she wanted and then she figured out who to serve and she created a business to make that happen. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I appreciate you having joining me.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So I usually let each guest just share their own entrepreneurial journey and we'll just go from there.
1: Oh, gosh, that's a that's a long story. I'll give you It's an
0: hour show. So go ahead.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll give you the highlights. Uh, So about um, 15 years ago at this point, which is so amazing to me because I never wanted to be an entrepreneur um, in fact i'm married we've been married 24 years together 27 and my husband always wanted to be the entrepreneur and i spent a lot of um years in our early years telling him no you need to be responsible no you need to make money <laughs> no we need to pay bills um so we were both in the corporate workspace um we both worked for a fortune 500 company at the time and i worked at that company until my 30s and In 2006, 2007, we just had a really tough year. There were a lot of uh, personal circumstances that were kind of colliding. And one of the results of that was my stepping down and leaving my corporate career and coming home. Um, At the time, my kids were about two and four years old. And I can honestly say it was probably the first time in their entire lives that I'd spent any significant time with them because of my career right, beyond pick up and drop off at school. So I like to say that that year right after was really about me losing the identity of my corporate career and all my success, but gaining the identity of a wife and mother. And while it was very, very, very difficult, um, I knew after a year or two that I would not go back to work in the traditional sense. And because I had to work, um, we needed to be a two income family, I started pursuing um, building my own business. So it's pretty crazy to me. I mean, it took probably three or four years for me to kind of figure out what I was going to do. Um, but the last 10 years have been pretty incredible. And, you know, what I have done is built a book marketing agency. So, um, like I said, I'm still a little a uh, that I'm still here as an entrepreneur, because I mean, honestly, left to my own devices, I'd prefer a paycheck every two weeks, a <laughs> <Right? laughs> little more um, stability, because as you know, being an entrepreneur is very ebb and flow. You know, I can make a lot of money in three months and then nothing for six months. So it's definitely pushed me um, to grow personally and professionally And it's also really affected the dynamics in our home in the same way.
0: Well, I love that. I mean, so one of the things that I help people recognize is the freedom of entrepreneurship that you can design a life that you want and then build a business to support it. And so figuring that out for yourself, um, you know, I I love that (laughs) you compared your husband's desire to jump out of corporate into entrepreneurship is irresponsible. So,
1: <laughs> well, you know, I was young. <laughs> Cut me some slack.
0: Um, yeah. No, no, it's it's that's not at all a surprise. That's the way that's the way many of us have been have been taught that that entrepreneurship is this this well wild wild west. Or, you know, I guess the bigger misnomer is that that our corporate jobs are secure and safe and. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And that that paycheck couldn't go away just as fast as the ebb and flow in entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because uh, I still have um, people in my life outside of my immediate family who ask me when I'm going to get a real job. And I think the biggest misconception is they don't understand fully that what we are doing is basically the job of like eight people. Right. Right. (laughs) And I saw a, a meme of all things the other day that said something like, I'm not going to grow up and be stuck in an eight to five job. I'm going to start my own business dot 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 works 80 hours a week. And I'm like, "Hmm." (laughs) but I I think it's about the freedom um, to choose your path and the freedom to really make decisions that allow us as entrepreneurs to serve people in a deeper way. Now, my corporate job was fantastic. I love the company and the culture, but I was working for their bottom line not for any sense of purpose or meaning in my own life. And I think that is the biggest asset I gained from running my own business is the ability to impact people in the world in a deeper and meaningful way. And I happen to do it through running a business and through the authors that we support. uh, All of us are very, I, I have a team now. I used to be me, myself and I for years and you know, we're very adamant about sharing with them the highs and lows of entrepreneurship because as an author, you're a creative and the whole business marketing side can be a little overwhelming. Uh, So we just try to share the reality of what it's like to persevere in a career like this because ultimately your mission and your why has to be bigger than what you see in your bank account some days.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and I love that, you know, your daughters were your driving force to to start something from home. Right. So I'm committed to stay home, but we need more revenue. Mm -hmm. So how do I create revenue? And that allows me to stay home. Mm -hmm. And, and like you said, it takes, it takes a little bit to figure that out. It's getting easier and easier than probably when you started in 2006, but Mm -hmm. that, that, that idea of designing and creating something to support the life that you want, the freedom that you want, the ability to drop my kids off at school, participate in their school events in the middle of the day, to take them to the doctor's appointments and do all these things without having to use my, you know, PTO. Of course, entrepreneurs don't get any of that. <laughs> so, but, but they can plan for those things and they can build their business and their schedule with, with much greater freedom. Um, than, than a corporate job allows in many cases.
1: Very true. Although my kids are now 19 and 21 and I'm not so sure they would agree that it was awesome having me around all the time because they really <laughs> didn't get into this trouble. Right. But I will say, you know, I don't know what kind of relationship we would have had if I had been still in the corporate workspace workspace. Now I, it's important to note that I'm speaking from my family perspective. I know plenty of men and women who work corporate jobs and have incredible home lives. So I'm not knocking, you know, work, working at home versus corporate world. But for our particular family, with a lot of the things that we had going on, you know, we have a lot of, um, we've just had some tragedy and trauma in our life, right? And so for us, I look back and I think, wow, like we really had the ability to come together as a family you know, and learn how to navigate really tough storms together. And honestly, I think it's the biggest gift we could have given our children was to see us present in those moments, see us wrestle through those moments and see us persevere. I think that even though sometimes we think, gosh, did we screw them up for life, especially now that they both just moved out, (laughs) Um, I just sit here and I think how incredible my kids are. And I know left to my own devices, I had been in the corporate world, I don't think we would have the deep um, relationship we have. And I don't know that we would have been able to show them what it's like to actually be an adult in the reality of the world, right? Because adulting can be pretty hard. And my, my sweet daughter, the 21-year-old, she's like, oh, my gosh, rent's due. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to the rest of your life. <laughs> Tires are so expensive. Why is gas so much? Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I mean, you know, they're always in such a rush to grow up. And I'm like, yeah, just mooch off your parents as long as you can, because being an adult is not all it's cracked up to be sometimes. But... Anyway, I think it's a beautiful benefit, but it also forced, again, us to grow my husband and I in mindset and in our relationship and the way we parented and the way we communicated. And we can talk about this later, but we did have a brief stint where he did work for me after a layoff, right? Um, that lasted two months. So we can talk about that later.
0: <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the mindset. Let's mm-hmm. how How did you transition that mindset from corporate employee to be my own boss?
1: (laughs) You know, at first it was out of necessity. We were in a life situation where I could not continue working. There was no option. Um, I know when I left, I thought, Oh, in a couple of months after things have stabilized, I'll find another job, but life has a funny way of redirecting you. And at the time, um, our son was about two and a half, three years old, and he was diagnosed with some, um, uh, kind of behavioral challenges that ultimately wound up to be autism he mm-hmm. has high functioning autism but what that meant at the time is that he kept brilliantly escaping every daycare we put him in like it was crazy <laughs> and they were finally like um we love you and we love your child but we like he keeps finding his way to the street no matter what we do and we're talking like serious lockdown daycares okay they were not being negligent at all my kid was just crazy brilliant Um, So then it was literally like, oh, well, I can't go back to work. (laughs) I'm the one that has to chase him down the street, you know, naked. (laughs) So all to say, um, he's chilled out a bit with a lot of uh, parenting and therapy and coping skills and all all that sort of things. But I couldn't go back, right? And so I think sometimes our hands are forced, even if we're not fully ready. And my perspective has always been, okay, I'm going to figure out how to get through this moment this next year, this next month. And that's really all I did the whole time. And before I knew it, I found myself 15 years in of never having gone back to a traditional workplace. Uh, And I really wouldn't trade it for the world. So I think people ask me about mindset and business plan and all that. And I'm like, I had an obedience plan. You know, as as a person of faith, I felt it was more important for me to find a way to earn an income in a way that fit my family, not leave my family to earn an income. Mm. Right. So no matter how hard it got, uh, we both really persevered, both with my husband's corporate job and income and mine to make it possible for me to stay
0: nice well but there's still a a a mindset shift of because you could have you could have found an online job right and still there obviously there were significantly less opportunities in in 2007 than there are in in 2022 of work at home um jobs but you chose to to do something for yourself and and start your own business so let's talk about that process and how did you end up in in book marketing
1: yeah well interestingly i didn't just start my own thing and i think a lot of people nowadays my, again, my kids are of a different generation. So they're all like, we're going to do whatever we want. work from home. <laughs> like, I have a
0: 21-year-old son. I understand entirely what you're talking about.
1: And I'm like, I, I believe in you. I am a thousand percent behind you. But there's some skills you need to develop first, right? And so I think for me, in the very, very beginning, when my kids were very young, I did kind of bootstrap it. I mean, there was a year or two where I literally had a drop in daycare in my home, right? There was a year I worked for an online magazine when online magazines were really not a thing pre, I wouldn't say pre-Facebook, but it was more when Facebook was still kind of that college-oriented thing. Um, And then there was a year I worked for our church, you know, so I did different things trying to figure out um, what it was I could do to offer the world. So like I said before, it took four or five years for me to figure it out. And for me, it was really about being aware and open to the relationships and possibilities that were coming my way. So the biggest shift happened for me actually when we moved. We lived in Texas um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And for many reasons, we decided to move to Nashville, Tennessee, which is where we are now. And my husband took a job at a nonprofit, which means our non-existent income from me no longer working corporate was now cut in half and we're like whoa i really have to work (laughs) i actually got hooked up with a company um it was at the time called ea help and it's now called belay solutions Um, and i was one of the first four or five um, c-level executive assistants virtually that they hired right so I worked for about 18 months for that company and the the clients I were assigned to are the ones that opened my eyes to the fact that I could do online marketing, which is what my skill set was in the corporate world, project management, marketing, event planning, that sort of thing. I got assigned to a literary agent and spent a year and a half reading delightful manuscripts, although some of them were a little interesting, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and getting to see the behind the scenes of what it um, took for authors to kind of write and create these proposals and these queries and the business side of publishing. I also got assigned to a couple people that had online businesses. And I remember thinking that's interesting and brave. I'm never doing that. (laughs) Uh, The other part of this is more personal. You know, I I mentioned that we were going through a lot of um, challenging things. So we were in a lot of therapy and one of my therapists assigned a therapeutic exercise of writing for me. I had always written as a kid and she had me start this writing process to kind of document and journal, you know, some of the stuff that we were going through. So I also started attending writing conferences and I had a blog Back when blogs were like, here's what I had for dinner, and today I mowed my lawn, you know, (laughs) relational stuff, because that's how we were back then. And um, I met a lot of authors, and every author I met were like, I hate marketing, I hate marketing. I'm like, why? Because it didn't, to me, it was like the easiest thing in the world. So basically, um, the book marketing agency started from a combination of opportunities and relationships I built in different areas, and me paying attention and going, wait, I'm a marketer and I love to write and I love to read and I have like this tiny little bit of experience in the industry. Uh, and I, I honestly, looking back at it, I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> but, but I honestly, um, I don't know. It was just this insane leap of courage of me going, I'm going to try this, you know. And so I actually called up eight of my author friends from blogging conferences. And I'm like, hey, look, I think I'm supposed to start this business that has to do with book marketing and releases because I really feel like books are conduits change the world. And they're like, great. What does that involve? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I'm not kidding. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just know I have these skills that you say you don't have. Uh, So my first eight clients who are friends to this day were my guinea pigs of me going, well, what do you hate about this process? What's unclear to you? How can I help you? And that's the other thing about entrepreneurship. I was doing what people would consider grunt work, having a master's level education in business and marketing. So sometimes you have to like work through your pride a little bit and go, if I'm going to make this happen, I'm going to figure out where in this process I can improve. And that means I'm gonna sit there for a year going, oh my gosh, I'm still paying off my college loans and I'm answering someone's emails. Right? So for me, that's how it started. It was listening to my friends who are authors and aligning what they needed with my skill set and being brave enough to ask them, let me help you without a clear process. Right. And well, it's so
0: valuable because I think that's the Entrepreneurship at the simplest level is solve a problem.
1: It's creativity in it and you get
0: paid for it.
1: Yeah. And so for me, it it just it honestly, in the 10 years that I ran the marketing agency, um, every client was word of mouth referral, except for a few people who found me online because of interviews or past projects. So it's, it's been interesting for sure. And, you know, we're kind of in a pivot right now. Instead of doing a done-for-you marketing agency, we're actually adjusting with kind of the, the, uh, we'll say the climate <laughs> uh, and the online space with the pandemic and everything that's affected people financially. Uh, and also, just realistically, I'm getting to the age where I don't want to be in such a fast-paced Um, high pressure environment, so I changed it, which is another beautiful thing about entrepreneurship. Uh, I'm not so much a pivot person. I'm a okay. I'm not doing this anymore. Let's burn it down and do something different.
0: Right. (laughs) That's a pivot.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm more of a let's put a bonfire to everything and change everything completely differently. So what we've done is we're building an, an online education company for authors to master marketing. Right. So instead of me doing all these marketing campaigns and projects on my own with contractors, I've now brought on um, strategists from all the different areas that authors need marketing support in, social media, email, brands, speaking, launching books, um, creating products to actually earn an income, become author entrepreneurs, right? And it's been pretty incredible um, to pivot in that way. Although, even though I've been in business for 10 years, it's like you're starting up all over again, right? Right. I joke around that I feel like I'm alternately in an MLM, not that there's anything wrong with that, but some of them are a little sketchy. Um, And I'm also like, I can pay you in cookies right now. (laughs) Just kidding. I pay my employees. But my point is, it's a very interesting place to be in, of taking something that was very successful and going, this isn't working for me anymore. And forecasting that it wasn't going to work in the future as well because of what's going on, you know, financially, politically, all that kind of stuff and making that pivot. And that is something that is very, I think, proactive about an entrepreneur mindset In the corporate world. A lot of it was reactive at the level that I was at, Mm -hmm. you know. The C-level executives were being proactive, but when it trickles down, you know, to marketing and sales and support, we're reactive, right? Um, So for me, it's been a really cool experience to kind of go, I can foresee this coming and I can hopefully do something about it to help authors still succeed no matter what comes their way financially or politically, right? So it's kind of cool to be able to do that.
0: Well, it's interesting to burn down a revenue stream to create it to create a new one. so
1: <laughs> and I, I should I should mention, you know, everything that I did in my agency is still part of this new program. So sure. we're completely repurposing and reusing years of of content and strategy to create this. So it isn't really it's more just a business model shift that it is completely. Pivoting to something completely new, right? So it makes it slightly easier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> slightly easier. I like that. Mm-hmm. But all of us should be longing for slightly easier. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. uh, so, you mentioned that your your former business you were building mostly on referrals, mm-hmm. and so now obviously new business educational um, probably needs larger numbers. Mm-hmm. To, to satisfy what's what's your lead generation plan? What, how are you going to market yourself?
1: Yeah, so I find myself for the first time in the position of many of my authors, when you switch to a business model that relies on education versus uh, one-on-one consulting or done-for-you services, your audience has to grow significantly uh, to reach. The amount of people you need to reach in order to find um vetted clients so what we're doing and this all happened this year okay so like october november is when i was like oh i need to shut this down and then i kind of argue with myself about it for a couple of months <laughs> um but then again for me i'm a little stubborn just slightly um so for me it was very much a it was a necessity um not only was i emotionally and physically burnt out i was starting to have medical problems because of the amount of stress that i was under including surgery and a six-month medical leave and i'm like yeah i'm not doing that again i've got to change something right i loved what i did but i was not operating in a way that was going to be healthy for me long term so i did it out of necessity right In January, February, um, again, I'm a person of faith, so some of my decisions might seem a little whack to people, but they make very much sense to me (laughs) from a prayer perspective. But for me, it was very much a um, don't launch this like you normally would. I I mean, I basically did not have a launch for a, a massive business shift um I utilized my relationships and again called all my friends and said hey I'm shutting down my business and doing something new and everybody was like no which was kind of nice you know <laughs> I was all the back but I was like no I have to I have to and um you want to come along for the journey right and so what I'm trying to impress upon is a lot of entrepreneurs we tend to isolate a little bit and just kind of dig in and do things ourselves And man, my relationships have been the key to everything that I've tried to do in my business because 20 people signed up with me telling them, this is what I'm going to do. It's this much money. It's not structured. It's not recorded. It's not formatted. You're just going to be my guinea pigs and we're going to support you for a year. And they said yes. For a high ticket program, right? So we're developing what you just asked. You're like, what's your launch process? What's your audience? Uh, we're building it, right? Um, but I think that's the key. Again, you have to be willing to risk. I did not wanna spend a whole lot of time creating something that I thought would work. I wanted to create something with authors that I know and trust who I knew would be honest with me. And why would they be honest with me? Because I have served them well for 10 years, right? I literally had a call the other day where one of them was like, "Um, I love you, but this part of this program sucks. I was like, okay, we'll fix it. They were being nice about it and they were actually accurate. It was actually an automation um, process thing that we needed to fix. Right? So I think for me, again, it's like, I don't, I know a lot and I'm very gifted at what I do, but I'm also very open hearted and open handed about what the business actually looks like and I'm willing to test, right? So now that we've tested the program for four months, we're officially launching it next week, right? Ooh. And I'm starting at an event with, I think there's about a thousand authors that are gonna be in attendance online and off that are perfect, ideal fit clients. I sponsored the event and that's how I'm launching and building the audience. So we'll have a lead generation, we'll have a giveaway of a scholarship. We have a whole automated email sequence once they sign up that educates them about the program and shows them testimonials and it's actual testimonials of people in the program right now, right? So I think some of this is, yes, we need to grow our email list, right? Yes, we need to grow our social media. But at the end of the day, just asking people what they want and giving it to them, I think is what has made this program successful. We will be right back
0: after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon. Or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R dot dream.com. That's empower2dream.com. Number If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. And that's that's the idea of entrepreneurship is (laughs) find out what problem people have and solve it for them. (laughs) So
1: they've made it better. They've really made the program better. Right. And that's what I was aiming for.
0: Well, absolutely. And your willingness to be open to think, I don't know everything because entrepreneurs can tend to have that stubbornness in them that, that I'm the expert. I know, I know what you need and have that openness to say, tell me what you really need. I really want to, I want to start here, but to get you there, you know, what is it that you really need? And Mm -hmm. so being open to that obviously is going to allow you to reach more people and have more influence.
1: Absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, people are looking for people to partner with them and journey alongside them Mm. And with all the scaling and online business stuff that goes on, some of it not so relational, Mm. (laughs) more transactional. I think people are tired of being forced into boxes they don't fit in from a consumer perspective, too. Right. Obviously, as a business owner, I have to sit down and think, okay, how much income do I need to cover salaries, to cover business expenses, and hopefully to have a profit, right? I have to backtrack and figure out how many clients I would need to sign up for the program in order to reach those goals. And then I have to backtrack to, okay, how many people do we need to reach in interviews? How many people do we need to reach on our email and social, et cetera? That part is just business strategy. But never once in that entire process do I remove the relationship with people, right? And it's a little anti scaly advice, but like I still do sales calls, I still personally interview applicants, I send personal emails instead of automated emails. Does it take me more time? Sure, right? But remember, I'm about building relationships not just treating people as transactions.
0: Well, and that's not to say that you can't scale. That's just to say the typical scaling model says mm-hmm. to not do some of those things. Right.
1: And there- we have scaled in ways we can, but we intentionally left relationship marketing and relationship building in our sales and uh, client experience process.
0: So let's talk about that value of relationship and and connection and, and dig a little deeper into why is connection so important?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think, like I said, I think people just don't want to be treated like consumers, someone buying something from you. Um, They want someone to partner with them and help them figure out the highs and lows of their entrepreneur journey. You know, again, I work with a lot of authors, so, you know, writing and releasing books is a pretty um, long process (laughs) right and on top of the writing and releasing the book you also now have to find your own audience and maintain that audience and grow that audience and figure out how to make a sustainable income and the publishers are fantastic um, but there's varying levels of support depending on what kind of publishing model you're with so especially with the, um, the growth in social media and digital marketing, authors really are required to learn these things themselves. There's no way around it, right? So being able to like work with authors and help them balance the need, because a lot of authors are creative and they're creative in strategy for their writing, but then having to flip that switch and figure out, okay, wait, how do I actually find an audience online, right? How do I grow my email list? How do I engage on social media without feeling weird or spammy, right? Uh, They need someone to kind of help them work through their limiting beliefs, right? In order to be able to do those things. And I firmly believe, I actually have a whole session I teach on this, that everybody has marketing strengths already communication strengths already they just don't realize that's what it is you know so I think the pillar of our marketing campaigns and the way we train our authors is to find those strengths in areas of opportunity shore them up and then create all their marketing content around their strengths so it doesn't feel as overwhelming and they'll actually do it.
0: Well not just overwhelming I think it it has to feel, legitimate, right? It has to feel authentic. And I think for many people, marketing just feels so. Yuck. It,
1: Yeah. And I think um, I think of myself, my own sales journey, I really had a really hard time asking people for money in the beginning. You know, I kept waiting for someone to, like, tell me, oh, it's OK. It's OK for you to charge that. And that was part of the corporate mindset that I had to work through. I was used to being paid for performance. And having to get permission for everything, right? And now it was suddenly like, oh wait, I'm the one in charge of that. And do I believe that my skills and talents and gifts are worth charging for? It was a weird like. I remember thinking, okay, why do I why do I feel bad about this? I got paid at work, like, <laughs> but but it's almost like I had to stop waiting for other people's approval of me. To kind, of, to kind of pat me on the shoulder and go, we're choosing you and we see this in you, I had to learn to see it in myself without that
0: yeah. It's powerful waiting for other people especially because I think so many people are stuck in this idea of "Of I need somebody else to tell me what I'm worth right? and of course you know with almost $20 an hour, which of course is significantly lower than the market for the service you're providing. And, and it's it's challenging to to make that shift for me as for nonprofit, which, which even you know, getting paid significantly less than my value to start with, and then to try to shift that into the entrepreneurial space and say, no, my value is significantly higher. Mm-hmm. And, and the value that my clients receive is... is ten or hundred times what I charge them and so is it worth that value absolutely but there's a game your mind plays with you especially when you put those numbers I had a coach tell me that if the first time you say your high value number if you don't if it doesn't make you giggle it's not high enough because, <laughs> because you have to you have to wrestle with these these realities but you know if I charge a client ten thousand dollars for coaching, it increases their revenue by a hundred thousand dollars. They're going to pay that all day long Mm -hmm. because the value is really in the results. The value is not in the the day-to-day hourly interactions.
1: Yeah. And I also think the results are not always just tied to numbers. It's important. Of course. It's important to track data in order to make marketing and sales decisions. Right. It's important to, again, have a budget and income goals to keep the business viable and running. Those are all necessities, <laughs> right? It's even important nowadays as business owners to really pay attention to the landscape. You know, I was reading an article earlier today about how, uh, just to give an example, um, housing prices have been crazy, right? We're, we are, we're benefiting from that right now, <laughs> selling our house, right? But Behind the scenes, interest rates have gone up and banks are starting to lay off. Why are they starting to lay off? Because mortgage mortgage applications and refinances are going down. Now, people might be thinking, Lindsay, what does that have to do with your business? It has everything to do with my business because layoffs are coming. Right. And if people are going to kind of have to buckle down, to pay basic necessities? Are they going to have fifteen dollars to $20,000 to pay me for a book marketing campaign? Are, is the publisher going to have that kind of expendable income, right? So when you're an entrepreneur, you actually have to understand what's going on in the market and politically, which is a little, you know, like who wants to watch the news and politics nowadays? But you have to, because you have to be able to have the foresight to look at your business and figure out how do I get ahead of the changes that are coming?
0: Right? Well, I think, I think for those early entrepreneurs, the, the, the challenge is when they see everything getting more expensive, their instinct is to lower their price mm-hmm. and say, but yet gas is more expensive. Mm-hmm. Food is more expensive. Everything's more expensive. And so you should be more expensive in some ways. And so thinking about how is inflation impacting everybody around you, your dollar is not going as far and so their dollar is not going as far, and so it it can be really challenging. And that's why I always encourage people: what is value versus what's the price? And yeah. The impact versus what is the price? It's price, yeah. price, I think- you mess in your head all day long. But value is is really what you have to be able to show.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say people are going to look for more value, deeper value. Um, more bang for their buck. Um, They're going to go to people that they know, like, and trust, which, again, why is relationship is so important. And I think they're not going to be so uh, sucked into the flashy sales funnels that sometimes us marketers have, right? Uh, So they're going to be very more, more deliberate about their choices. You know, so I think as an entrepreneur, our job is to go, is that a, well, for me, it's always been part of my company culture relationships and marketing and diving deep and, um, automating what we can to be efficient, but also still having relationships. I'm friends with probably most of my clients still. Right. And so I think, you know, not being afraid to adjust with the times is a key mindset, um, that I think a lot of entrepreneurs have and just having the ability to have that foresight and persevere through changes and, and provide something that people, um, go, okay, I may not need that right now, or I do need it, but I can't afford it, so I'm going to do it myself. I hear that all the time. Marketing, I don't need to market. I can just do this myself. <laughs> I can just, right, I can just send a few emails. I can grow my social. I'll be fine. And some people will, if they've learned enough about marketing, right, and built enough of an audience over years that they can do some of that themselves, right? But most people, Um, will not understand what it's truly going to take to stand out in the online space and attract audiences and get them to buy when consumers are going to be thinking, I need to pay my mortgage. I need to pay my electricity. I need to buy food. Things is like a book, a $25 book. That's going to be a luxury, right? In the season that we're facing. And it's all cyclical. You know, it'll come back around. But my point is that um, we just have to be aware of where our consumers are and adjust within reason and again, do it from a place of strategy. I didn't make this decision um, without knowing that it would be profitable. But we're roughly nine, 10 months into this decision. And we're just now getting to the point where we're breaking even.
0: Right. I think one of the challenges for entrepreneurs is they automatically think price, right? And and you talked about value. So the value, you know, you can add, add bonuses or add done for you things or add elements or, or break your $15,000 program into three parts and then they can choose the pieces that they need. I mean, so there's lots of creative ways to say, well, you don't need to make the whole investment, but, and I love, you know, entrepreneurs that offer both, a done for you service, which of course is typically more expensive, right? You're paying for marketing and you're paying for the full package, or let me teach you how to do it services, which is is a whole nother level. And you can pick and choose the pieces. You know, do I need more training in social media? Do I need more training in email marketing? And, And you can break a program down. And so there's lots of different ways without lowering prices that you can change what you're delivering and change the way that you're serving your client without devaluing yourself. Because as soon as you start lowering prices, you're competing for the bottom and you're hit to zero, which is not good for you as an entrepreneur if, if your goal is to pay your bills and, and feed your family.
1: And what's important to note about what we did is we provided them, we're teaching them marketing mastery. And a lot of people were like, why are you doing that? They'll never come back to you. I said, that's not, Accurate. I've had clients come back to me plenty of times when we've done done for you marketing campaigns. I'm equipping them, yes. But the way we're equipping them is we're strategists helping them make decisions in the current landscape and then breaking down these are the three steps you need to take right now. And then they're doing the work themselves. But when they get stuck or something doesn't work the way they thought, they come back to the strategists, right? So all we did was give them what they really, really want, which is someone to tell them what to do, how to do it, how to navigate this, and um, do it with heart and soul.
0: Absolutely,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and it also is a business model that fits what you want to do and and the work-life balance that you want to have. And yeah. so that's even the more important foundation is when I was doing the other service, it was stressful, it was overwhelming, and I did it for 10 years and now I need to make a change. And this is the change that I chose to make for myself. Yeah. So let's dig into that self-care element a little bit. Obviously your family care was your priority in becoming an entrepreneur,
1: mm-hmm. but now
0: self-care seems to be the priority in making this transition.
1: Yeah, I think some of that has to do with age, you know, I'm in my later 40s. And I just keep thinking, gosh, you know, I don't know, I I, I feel like because my husband and I um, have had, we adore each other, but we've had our share of really crazy things happen to us our whole life. And we met when we were 18 and 19. And so about a year and a half to two years ago, we were like, a lot of people get divorced when their kids leave. We should tra- probably like talk to our therapist about that. Not that we were, <laughs> no, not that we were planning on it, but like, it's just a reality. And you know, when you're in a, re- when you're in a marriage that has such high pressure, we were like, wow, we have spent our whole lives dealing with tra- trauma and we need to kind of figure out how to be around each other. You know what I'm saying? When I absolutely
0: when- know what you're how- saying.
1: I'm like, I am like I love you and you love me, but man, sometimes we're just weathering storms together. And so for us, it actually started in therapy of us telling our therapist, we don't want to be one of those statistics. We can adore each other, but then our relationship as husband and wife had suffered because we were always dealing with so many difficult things. Um, also for me, you know, physically I was having, I just started having a lot of problems. I'm sure some of that is age related, just growing older. But when my OB who sees me once a year was like, Lindsay, you're, you need to stop. She's like, I don't know what you're doing, but every year you've come in here more and more stressed and more and more sick. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, some person who sees me once, that's weird. If someone's telling me that, you know, I'm like, okay. And then I wound up actually having a surgery with that doctor. And I came in two weeks after the surgery for a checkup and she's like, what happened? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you, she's like, I've never in the, I don't know, 14 years. I've seen you, seen you this calm. And I'm like, all I did was sleep and not work. (laughs) And she's like, Hmm. (laughs) You know how doctors are. So anyway, it was kind of the impetus for me going, she's on to something. If someone who doesn't see me in my day-to-day life is telling me there's a huge difference to me just getting sleep and not working, then I need to take care of myself. So for me, part of it was evaluating what is it about my business that was overwhelming to me and burning me out. And it happened to be the done-for-you work because I'm actually a visionary I'm a marketing strategist. And so all the ins and outs of the done for you work was burning me out. And I could love what I do and the mission behind it. But I was like, I need to do this differently. And the first thing I did was take six months off. People thought I was going to be back in like, I thought I was going to be back in six weeks. Nope. And I slept And stared at the screensaver on my TV for longer than I care to admit. (laughs) I did nothing seriously for practically six months except think.
0: Good for you.
1: And pray. What do I want from my future? I want a relationship with my husband that we've not been able to have, not because of us, but because of circumstances, right? I want to be able to travel. We've always wanted, I want to make dreams come true instead of always reacting to all the tragedy in our life. Uh, I was a little mortified that we were paying for college while still paying our own college loans still to pay off debt. Right. And how do I do that where I can be sane and healthy and whole? And that trickles out through my whole family. Right. Hmm. So that's, it really was just a, probably a profound awareness that I had spent my whole life taking care of everybody else. And if i didn't start taking care of me it was going to be bad
0: it's pretty powerful
1: yeah yeah
0: it's exactly what my wife is now starting to do it helping them because women in particular are, are built to serve others and they start serving their husband and then they serve the kids and then they're 20 years down the road and they realize i forgot about me <laughs> and obviously you as a couple have been able to recognize that together and and made a plan together to say wait when our kids are gone how are we going to stay we don't even know each other anymore
1: well you know opposites attract we're completely different people you know it's actually kind of amusing at this point but we were very intentional about okay what can we do together and still give each other space and i know for me especially our therapist asked asked us a question she's like. My husband's name is Josh. She's like, Josh, what would you do if you could do anything in the world? What would you love to do? What would you want to do as a kid that you never got to do? And he's rattling off all this stuff. And I knew about most of it. Um, I've made some of the stuff he mentioned come true. I didn't know some of it. But then she asked me, well, Lindsay, what do you like to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I work. I take care of my family. I loved doing it. But I did not know how to answer the question, what do you want to do outside of those roles? And I'm like, that is a problem, (laughs) right? Do I know the answer? No, except for travel. So that's what we made space to do. And part of selling our house, I loved my house, (laughs) was to make room to travel. We downsized to a townhome with no maintenance. uh, So Mm -hmm. that... So that we can try to spend... Well, I don't really like the stairs. There's like three flights of stairs. Oh, what were we thinking? Um, and there's no yards, So now we have to walk our dogs like 82 times a day. But anyway, other than that, it's great. And we're going to try to travel like 10 days out of the month. Like why wait till we're 70? My husband works from home as well. So all I'm saying is I think some of it's the age of... I've raised my kids. We've raised them well. They're doing great. We're always going to be around for them. But man, we need like 10 years of vacation. <laughs> so well, the, we're going to the, sacrifice and make it happen, and we can do it because of our business.
0: The one the intentionality, right? Is obviously, a doctor. Many people get told they their doctor and they're aware of them, but they still don't have the intentionality to make it shift right now want right. Oh, doctor said I should eat better. Doctor said I should better, and they don't. They don't act on it. <laughs> and, and so, if you make that intention it and, and have that intention to say, well, I, "If I want to marry, we need to do this. If I want to stay healthy and happy, I need to do this." And so, you know, that's, those are huge. And of course, they're entrepreneurial traits that you're willing to say. this is go after it. And, reality. and so choosing reality is it's more important choosing it that you really, what is it that you really really want and then making that happen so good for you you made sure that your husband went tour for you for a little while so let's dig into that
1: he did yeah that was he was amazing but what we realized um you know, his layoff happened after like, I think, seven rounds of layoff at his company over 18 months um, because of COVID. And the poor man, he got the layoff and got COVID all the same week. Um, so he spent six weeks sick. But right after that, I'm like, well, why don't you come work with me? You've always said you want to work with me. Let's see if we can do it. And he was actually incredible. Um, he's very operations oriented. But I could tell, and this comes to knowing your, your family well and your spouse well, right? Even though he had always wanted to be an entrepreneur when he was younger, the reality of it was something that he was like, no thanks. <laughs> so you just mentioned that your husband got
0: COVID and was kind of for you and realized maybe it wasn't for him.
1: Yeah, so he worked for me for a couple months for an operations, um, kind of a standard operating procedures, just kind of shoring things up for me. And I realized uh, a, a couple months in that it wasn't his, his, uh, he was really good at it, but I could tell he wasn't happy, if that makes sense. So he was trying really, really hard to help me and completely learn my business and industry from stra- from track. Out of scratch. And he had come from like the IT project management world. So it was a huge shift for him. And I think about two and a half months in, I looked at him and I said, sweetheart, do you want to, you know, look for a job? He goes, oh, thank God. Yes. It was so funny. Yeah. Um, he said, I'm trying to help you and I love you. And this is amazing. But this is just not, it wasn't fulfilling to him. Right. In the way that it was to me. And I wasn't going to hold him to helping me. Um, And so now he has an amazing job at St. Jude's Children's Hospital, right? He's doing amazing things. And I listened to him. I have no idea what he's talking about because he's one of those brilliant IT people. But he also was like, I listened to you and had no idea what you were talking about, right? Because, again, we're polar opposite people. And so we're very impressed with one another, which is also great for a marriage. But all to say, um, he was like, gosh, all these years I wanted to be an entrepreneur. He's like, and I don't know. At this point in in my life, if I have the mental fortitude, he's like, I've had to learn how to give you reign to do what you need to do and not pressure you unnecessarily and understand the ebbs and flows of business and trust you inherently that you're going to make the right decision and that I can help when you ask for help. And it's been, he's, he's my biggest cheerleader and my biggest supporter. And also, I mean, kind of my... Biggest funder, right? He pays a lot of our bills, um, but it's just been really cool to see our relationship evolve in that way. Seeing each other in a different way, where when we both worked in corporate, we never really got to see each other in action, you know. So that's been pretty cool too. What
0: was your most memorable date?
1: What was our most memorable date? Yeah. Oh gosh. I have a sweet spot for our college years. We had no money. Uh, So we always went to Wendy's, of all places, um, because that was his favorite place. And then when we were younger and married, uh, he worked at a movie theater as a manager. And so we always, way back then, got to see movies for free, like the night before they released. Uh, So one thing we still do is go see movies together. Uh, It's just a cool thing, because we love to talk about them although now he's probably less enamored with my ability to figure out the movie in the first five minutes. <laughs> 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 that comes from, you know, reading countless books and, you know, understanding. So now we have a pact that I just will keep my mouth shut. So...
0: <laughs> yeah, it,
1: you know, I just love spending time with him. You know, I mean, we go on fancy dates and all that stuff too, but for me, um, it's always just been being able to be myself um and just have simple joy with each other. All well, right, uh, what's, uh, what's your big dream? what's my what, I'm sorry? I think the connection's bad again. Oh. Fine. <laughs> what's your big dream? Big dream? Oh gosh. Um I mean, personally, it really is travel. I just want to see the world and see different cultures and experiences. Um, I think professionally, what I hope for Ignite Your Book Marketing, for professional, you know, personal is just travel and getting to experience really cool things with my husband and my kids when they come along. Uh, Professionally, for Ignite Your Book Marketing, I really just want um, to to really help authors solidify their careers um, in a way that's meaningful and impactful because I believe books are a conduit to change. I believe they can really help people transform or see a new way of thinking, a new, a new way of finding hope. And uh, our ability to help authors reach those readers and impact countless lives is really what I live for in the business. It's, it's very rewarding. And it really helps me use my skill set in a way where I can impact change on the world, not just take and consume and make money. Uh, that's so good. Thank you so much. You're very welcome.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's A D D addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. ADDValueMindset.com. In our next episode, Zach White and Robert discuss the challenges of burnout. Zach used his own experience to figure out his purpose, and now he serves those he loves, engineers who need a place of support, an oasis to Give them the courage to protect themselves. Zach has grown a love for life and has created tools to support his fellow engineers in protecting themselves. Zach reminds us that burnout is not caused by what you are doing. It is caused by what you are not doing.